I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, on a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're gonna throw me out of here, fellas. You're gonna get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors, or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 360 of Low Limit Football on this 26th of June, 2022. I'm your host, Joey Sello, and tonight, the transfer window is set to open with some major moves in both Europe and here in the U.S. Paulo Dybala still waits for the final contract from Inter, who just signed Romelu Lukaku on loan. What's the holdup going on there? We're going to discuss that. Raheem Sterling may be on his way out of Manchester City, while Gabriel Jesus is all but confirmed at Arsenal, and a major former Galacticos is on his way to the bright lights of Los Angeles. We're going to discuss that and much, much more tonight. So let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Tell us about your trip to London, my man. Hello. It's good to be back. Yeah, it was great, man. It was great. Um, I think, obviously, the good thing is that, yes, it's always sunny in London. I mean, people like to think it's always muggy or cloudy, but all the time I was there, it was beautiful. But, no, it was nice to, to go and have a little vacation, check out some soccer pitches and yeah, man, it makes me excited for, for the start of the season. I know we're still in late June at the moment, and we still have a couple more weeks until the start of the European season. But just going to it's like, oh, man, I wish I can go for a game because going there when it's a match day or, you know, a Champions League game or whatever is, is incredible. Sure, sure. I've got to imagine the atmosphere must be, you know, something else. I, I, I had that same feeling when I went to San Siro um, a few years back and, and just, you know, just to – imagine the stadium being full of people screaming and singing and everything it's just yeah you, you it makes you long to go back and and go see a match whatever that match may be right i mean you know it's 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 something about the intimacy of many of those venues uh some of them the historics right uh with some of those venues as well that uh that kind of grip you don't they yeah absolutely i mean stanford i only went to stanford bridge um the Emirates Stadium, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, they're all beautiful and big and, and also historic in their own way. But, man, if, if, if only you can go there and, and present a, a Champions League night or a Premier League game or or anything, really, it's 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 a different atmosphere. And I think yeah. that's something that I definitely want to put on my bucket list very soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes two of us for sure. So, 
let's jump into it. I mean, obviously the, uh, the the leagues are over. You and I had a little bit of a of a hiatus here in June, um, you know, with scheduling and and that sort of thing. Uh, for me, uh, and something that I you know I haven't talked about yet, I I played in the uh, championships in the state of Connecticut for pool for nine ball, and uh, did not make it to the world championships in Vegas. We lost in the final uh, last Saturday. My team did closest i've ever been to coming to vegas for for pool so um you know it was a little disappointing but uh you know we 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 had some big wins along the way and uh, what are you gonna do we're gonna just you know get back at it and try again uh but my brother did make it to vegas uh his his pool team is going to vegas to compete in the world championships in august um so i'm very very excited for him and hopefully he brings back a title that would be something incredible the um the division that he's playing in, which is the Masters division, which is kind of like the the top amateur player uh, division for uh, for the uh, for the the pool league, um, the 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 team that's won it three out of the last four years is actually based in Connecticut. They're in Wallingford, and of the four guys that are on that team, I know personally, I've seen personally, my brother beat two of them. So. I, I, I'm hoping. I think he's got a really good shot, and uh, and we'll see what happens. And maybe we'll be having a, a billiard episode of this uh, of this podcast uh, in the near future. Hopefully, so let's jump into it. I, I mean, we're not going to have a, an opening thoughts proper tonight. Um, however, we are going to open with a particular topic because as of yesterday, the news broke and went like wildfire. Gareth Bale going to LAFC. I, I mentioned it in my opening monologue that we had a Galacticos, uh, you know, moving on. And coming to the bright lights of L.A., that that Galacticos is Gareth Bale, um, was released by uh, by Real Madrid on a, on a free. Goes to LAFC. Reading some of the details of the uh, of the deal, it looks like you know. First of all, with with the American system in MLS, for our European listeners, it can be very very difficult to understand. There's certain uh, money that is allocated. There is a salary cap, but then there is these DP spots, uh, designated players, which you basically can be unlimited with them. Gareth Bale and, and each team, I believe, has three spots. Now, Inter Miami a couple of years ago got into a little bit of trouble, kind of skirting the rules with Blaise Matuidi, and uh, you know many people heard about that and they got fined for that and punished. But uh, Gareth Bale is not coming over on a DP spot. He is coming over just on cash. Apparently, his salary, because it's broken up by season, will be one point six million per year. They brought over Giorgio Chiellini as well. Uh, he comes in at three million. They had Carlos Vela, uh, who they just re-signed. So LAFC is spending a ton of money. I know a lot of people are asking about, you know, with the salary cap and the restrictions of spending in, in many of the MLS clubs, what's going on? How's LAFC able to do this? And I, you know, one of these days, I'd love to get somebody on that would be a little more familiar with that uh, system and that this particular function to talk about that because it is quite a bit of money. They already had, like we said, Vela, they're bringing in Bale, they're bringing in Chiellini, they had Jorango, they've had a couple of other big players there as well. And so it's interesting to see how they're actually managing the money so that they can actually field a team that is currently running first place in MLS in the Supporter Shield race. Uh, and it's an interesting, you know, get for them. We talked, you and I, before we went on the air, um, how some people have said, okay, great, now you've brought in Bale, now you've brought in Chiellini. Um, time to bring in Isco, who's also <laughs> released from uh, Real Madrid on a free as well and currently has no home. Um, Roberto, I want to ask you if you want to incorporate some words on the Chiellini transfer, which we've known for a little while, um, your thoughts about the news of Gareth Bale breaking and what you think this might do to not only LAFC, but also to the picture of MLS, especially for a team that's in first place. 
Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, this kind of is the first big deal just shortly. And we didn't really talk about this as much. But, you know, obviously, MLS is going to have a new deal with Apple TV, which obviously yes. means that uh, more viewers will be able to access it. And not just here in the United States, but all over the world. So I think getting these type of names like a Garrett Bell, like a Giorgio Chiellini and, and so on and so forth kind of, you know, oozes that attraction. Yes. It's not exactly the the picture that one has to put because obviously I think they still want to move away from that kind of retirement league uh, aspect and stereotype. I mean, these guys aren't exactly old, but they aren't exactly the the names that people want to to see. But I think when you come in a situation like this, you still need to attract the big names that you know unfortunately are at the tail end uh, the tail end of their careers, and you know are able to go to a league like MLS. Um, in regards to Bale, yeah, I think it's it's good for him because obviously a World Cup is coming in in a, in a few months. Of course, he's playing in a country that he has to pace the first game in the World Cup uh, for Wales. So, yeah, I think it's it's good to see him in, in good shape. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of impact he has on a team that's already stacked on the top. So I think just adding him just makes the team look more better than they are. And like you said, they're currently first in the in the supporter shield standings. And I think they definitely have the capability to definitely win MLS Cup. And I think adding someone in like Bell, who has the experience, who's done it at Real Madrid, has done it for Wales, Tottenham, and so on and so forth, I think kind of adds in that kind of winning mentality. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it's a good move for from all sides. And I think it definitely raises more the interest of, of the league uh, worldwide yeah you know i you bring up a great point about the um the idea of uh retirement league right uh gareth bale 32 years old he's not for me i gotta be honest he's not for me a guy that i look at him coming here and think of it as re- a retirement league move all right this is a man that you know within the last month just captained his national team to a world cup position in a playoff round against a very a very difficult, a very good and um, a spirited Ukrainian side, right? Let's, let's look at that to start. He's the captain of that team. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini. Yeah. That would be more of a retirement move. He's 37 years old, but this is also a man that just captained his team to a European final, to a European title. Uh, You know, we're not even a year into that yet. You think about that. And, And also a guy that, you know, other than, nagging injuries was still a, an integral part of the Juventus defense over the season this year. So he's playing at, at the top level at a top league. I, I think a guy like Chiellini has time to give you still, even for example, you know, a move we didn't talk about, but that's been confirmed for a while. Lorenzo Insigne, he just landed in Toronto two days ago um, to a massive, massive reception there. And, uh, and another guy, I think, uh, I think uh, Insigne might be 31 or 32 years old as well. Uh, coming over here st- still has a ton to offer. Another one that was on that European winning side, um, you know. So I-, I don't think the bail move really screams retirement to me. Um, you know, for me, Leo Messi coming in two years that that might scream a little retirement. He's gone to PSG. It hasn't gone well. Um, you know, where he might go back to Barcelona. There have been rumors of that flying around. That would scream to me as he comes here for one year, or Ronaldo comes here for one year. That kind of thing. This bail thing is 18 months. He will probably, if not stay longer, go back and still pick up its side somewhere in Europe to play. So I think this is a great move for him. And I also think with bail, um, this move makes sense. You know, one of the things we've talked about with the World Cup and the timing of the World Cup this year, bail hasn't had a lot of time at Real Madrid, right? 
He's he's gotten his time obviously with the national team, but that is always going to be limited in these international windows. So he comes to MLS where their season carries into November and he will be a player playing half the season. You almost picture a lot of these players going to uh, the World Cup from the European leagues almost in mid-season form. Gareth Bale should be in mid-season form when he gets to that World Cup. And I think from that perspective, especially since he did not, you know, he didn't get a lot of time at Real Madrid towards the end. Um, it made sense to me. What are your thoughts about his his move for this, looking at the World Cup saying, hey, this is the right move because I need to be ready to play at the World Cup? No, I think it's, it's perfectly understandable. I think, obviously, like I said, I think he wants to be in the best shape possible for this World Cup. It's so soon, and the fact that I think if he wasn't able to do that in the European stage, and I'm not saying that for him this is going to be a breeze because I'm sure he's going to have to go all out and you know it's it is a different league it's a different way to to really play in but i think it's the one move for him out of other leagues in the world as well but i think for him i think it it allows him to be in the best shape that he could be because he has to be the main uh, guy for wales and you know being the captain being the one that led the team to qualification i think he himself has to be in his best shape possible for this world cup I, I totally agree, and I think and I think this this move makes tons of sense uh, in that regard. So, let's let's move to another. Let's go on to another move that was um, that was confirmed. I believe this this past week, uh, Sadio Mane. Let's talk about him real quick. Going from Liverpool to Bayern Munich, twenty eight million pounds, um, which for me I think is a is a small fee, right? I, I, I think I think Sadio Mane is worth more than twenty eight million pounds. Um, he's currently thirty years old. Moves to uh, you know to to a giant in Bayern Munich from Liverpool, where he's won the uh, Premier League, he's won the Champions League, he has gone on and won the African Cup of Nations, he has qualified his team for the World Cup at Senegal. Um, this man is on top of the world, and to make this move, I, I thought was very very interesting. Uh, it also signaled that uh, Mo Salah would probably be staying, which which again he has. And, uh, and Arsenal have already targeted his, his uh, replacement in Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about the Sadio Mane effect because now him moving to mm. Bayern Munich uh, triggers another situation, which is Robert Lewandowski, who has signaled multiple times now that he wants to leave Bayern Munich. Uh, looks like Barca is the only destination he wants. And finally, the confirmation of Sadio Mane might trigger that where, where Bayern were previously reluctant to sell him might actually, you know, change their minds a little bit. So I'd like your thoughts on the Sadio Mane move and what do you think it means for the potential Robert Lewandowski move? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, again, these are two different players. It's not exactly a like-for-like replacement if it were to happen, but it certainly adds a bit more depth on the attack. Now, I think in Liverpool's case, I think, I think they were able to just shell out as much money as they could. I mean, they just spent over, well, I think, like 80, 90 million on on Darwin Nunez from Benfica. So clearly there is that kind of way of like, okay, we are looking into the future. We're looking into future players. And this isn't to say that Mane's old. Like we said, he's only 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And so you're still going to get a good couple of years left for him. And I think because of the way that he is, because of the the value that they got him, I think Mario Munich looks at him and thinking, hey, you know, this is someone that we can really get a superstar from there. And, Mind you, he could be the main star if Lewandowski does indeed leave as well. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I don't know where he could leave. But it could indeed persuade 
uh, Louis to, to stay foot as well. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if this is going to be the case, but I think when you're spending that amount of money, you know, you look at it and you're thinking, yeah, I, I think there is that kind of um, real ambition from him to, to really go back and, and be the top player that he is. I think he's still one of the best players in the world, and, and rightly so, because of everything that he's done at Liverpool, but I think he's I think he was one. I think he wouldn't have left Liverpool if he knew that he wasn't going to be the main star or one of the main stars on that team. So credit to him, and I think yeah, I think he can do something at Bayern, and it's going to be interesting to see if Lewandowski is going to be swayed enough that he can play with him, or if he himself wants to still go in and try to be the main star somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, you know you you look at uh, like you said uh, Liverpool bringing in Darwin Nunez from uh, Benfica, I think is a big a big part of of that you know, process as well, um, you know, kind of moving forward there. Um, for me, you know, I, I think there is potential for Lewandowski to stay with Sadio Mane, and that would be quite the attacking, uh, you know, trident, especially when you look at Thomas Muller uh, there as well. Bayern Munich's already capable of scoring a million goals, and, and adding Sadio Mane just adds another twist and another dimension to that, to that, um, to that, team and and it would be something incredible to watch if he does stay so let's um let's also look at one more uh move or or a couple of potential moves here real quick because we've got um manchester city now that they've brought in erling holland uh there is the rumors or the even to up to confirmation where gabriel jesus uh looks like he will be moving to arsenal that is almost confirmed at this point um but raheem sterling also rumored to go to chelsea um, I'd like your thoughts on both moves, especially what they mean to the teams that they're going to. Yeah, this this is interesting because I think with someone like like Sterling, I think there is that interesting like factor of like where he's gonna fit in all of this because of what he's got with Holland and I think Chelsea themselves, you know, are looking to really get like straighten up their their team. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I think in the case of Sterling, I would stay. I mm. would definitely stay because I think he could still offer that kind of you know flexibility to play on on whatever wing needed uh, in a Guardiola system, and I think having him in in the best way to really combine well with Haaland and and to move forward from that would be would be a really good um, sight to see. So I, I personally, if I'm him. I'd stay put. Yeah. I I don't know. I just you don't. I think there's more stability in City than there is at Chelsea right now. Yes, they have new owners. They they can still definitely compete on every level. But why downgrade? Yeah. If that makes sense. I'm I'm with you. You know, I think when you bring in Holland as a, as a true number nine, I think Gabriel Jesus has really played a little bit more of that hybrid role, seeing that you know, and obviously the big. The big thing about City last year was that they didn't have a true number nine. Remember, the year before, they were looking at um, Harry Kane, and they were never able to complete that move. So they went out and got Erling Holland now, who is a, a true traditional number nine. Uh, you know, he's, he's built in that mold. Um, so for, for Gabriel Jesus, for me, where he was kind of doubling into that role and sometimes playing in the false nine, he was a little more flexible. Um, but I think a, you know, he started to make that next step. And I think under Mikel Arteta, I think he'll do very, very well at the, at the Emirates uh, for Arsenal. Not to mention as well. I mean, this was someone that he's worked with as well. Um, yes. Under Guardiola. He was um, Guardiola's assistant in his first few years 
at the club. So this is a player he definitely knows well. Mm-hmm. The question will be is where to utilize him best because we know that he could play as a striker, but he could also play as a winger. Yeah. So the curious thing would be like, okay, where do we fit him in the system if he wants to be someone like a Saka or a Smith Rowe or or uh, or, or or we're gonna ha- have to utilize him as the main target man like a Lagazette or a Nketiah. So that's the thing that I'm curious to see is like where do you see him best suited in that Arsenal team? Yeah, and it's and it's tough to say because you know right now I'm just trying to go through my mind. Obviously, Lacazette is out. He went back to Lyon. Uh, Aubameyang is off to to um, Barcelona, which he moved mid season. So they don't really have that true number nine that I can think of at the moment. I, I mean, like I wrong. said, Eddie, Eddie and Kenty is the only the big is the only big one there. Yeah, but that's it. And they're not true nines, so you know that's it's interesting. He would almost play the same role, but it's a role that he's good at. Right, so I think I think Mikel Arteta will be um, familiar with the player, familiar with his capabilities, and and I think he'll utilize him, you know, in that role. I think I think he adds a nice dynamic piece to Arsenal's attack. Uh, I agree with you on the Sterling one though, uh, completely. I think now that there is a number nine, a big target man um, in Erling Holland that we can get to, I think Sterling's dynamicism, right, where where he's he's quick, he's pacey. Um, able to cut in off the wing, able to take on a, uh, on a defender one-on-one. I, I think he will fit that team even better now. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, I would too. Yeah, absolutely. You know? that, the same could be said for like players like Grealish and Mares and, yeah. and so on and so forth. So I would, I would stay personally. I think the question is like, how do you, if, if he is going to truly be someone that has to track back and or or combine well and whatnot, that's the thing that mm. I'm curious to see. If if Guardiola is going to experiment again and and utilize him without because they don't need the need for a false nine anymore because they already have him, right. they already have him in, in Holland. Yeah, I mean it's not a false nine; he's a true nine. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it, it it's a different world. Um, let's let's move to Italy um, and the Paolo Dybala saga. Let's talk about that for a few minutes because it, it's been um, one heck of a ride, right? Uh, you know, all 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 signs at the end of the season pointed to DiBala going to Inter. It was a done deal. It was over. Said his goodbyes to the Juventus fans and his teammates. It was tearful. Do you remember that? Um, you know, and now here we stand, June twenty sixth. And they've, you know, Inter have already released Ivan Perisic, who's gone to Tottenham Hotspur. They've already signed Romelu Lukaku on loan um, back from Chelsea, uh, which which I think a lot of Inter fans are very happy with. Um, they've they've solidified the whole uh, Korea thing where they they've purchased him. They made it oblig- obligatory purchase of him. They've they've cleared up some space. Dybala is still out there. Um, he's not signed. I believe the last offer was somewhere in the 7 million euro world uh, for his salary. Uh, this was pretty much the same number Juve were offering him, and things have stalled. Now the word is coming out that uh, that Inter are going to have to either sell Alexi Sanchez, Eden Dzeko, or both of them to make room financially for Paulo Dybala. Dybala has become a man on an island. Since then, uh, Roma have made, uh, you know, they, they've, they've reached out to him. There's talk about him possibly going to Sevilla. Um, there is... You know, there are many other options there coming out um, as well. And I'm going to actually pause you for a second, Roberto. So we have a we have a special um, a special guest coming on right now. Uh, Somebody that's. Yeah. So let's uh, let's pause and and let's uh, let's make it a surprise. 
and uh, and we'll go ahead and, and get them on. And we're back and glad to be joined by the social media director from OS Studios, Jack Grimsey. Jack, welcome to the show. Uh, great to have you on board with us today. We were just about to dive into the Paulo Dybala saga. Um, I had mentioned that Dybala, you know, was for all intents and purposes a done deal at um, at Inter. It's stalled. They've brought in Lukaku since. They've, they've done a few other things. Now the word is they have to sell Eden Dzeko. They have to sell Alexi Sanchez to be able to bring Dybala in. Since then, you've got Sevilla knocking on the door. You've, you've had rumors of Real Madrid. You've had rumors of Roma possibly knocking on the door. There's always the potential that he could just say, you know what, I'm going to go back to Juve because they were offering me once upon a time 7 million euro. Um, what are your thoughts on how Paulo Dybala, who is certainly one of the most dynamic players in world football today, is really a man on an island at the moment. Well, Joe, first and foremost, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to join you guys. And yeah, I was I was going to say, where to begin with Dybala? There's so much going on. It's crazy. It seemed like, uh, I don't know, I'm just looking at his Twitter now. He had a very emotional goodbye video. And then next thing, he's tweeting photos with Pogba. And it's like, well... Maybe he should just go back to Juventus if that money's still on the table. But it also could be a case of you snooze, you lose. Like you said, Lukaku comes in. Maybe Dybala was stalling on that deal. And now Inter's got to shift around some more pieces on the board and, and able to accommodate his salary. Yeah, and I think, Jack, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. But, you know, I just wanted to switch gears to what's been going on here stateside. Because I think the big news that we got here is that uh, Gareth Bale will be heading to MLS playing at LAFC. Certainly a move that we um, here, Joe and I, discussed about how I think we view this as not only a good move from a financial, sorry, from a, from a marketing standpoint because of him being one of the big names in the sport, but also for him being in the best shape possible and, and to playing at a club that he could be consistent and get playing minutes just before the World Cup. And that was the number one thing for Bale, right? He said, I, I need to be able to play somewhere where I might not be able to train every day. But I need to be able to play every week because uh, for him to get his body back in shape, he wasn't in the Real Madrid team each and every week. And that's where he's going to be able to strengthen up ahead of the World Cup. Definitely. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see if they if he is that consistent heading uh, into uh, the season. Because, you know, obviously there is no stoppage of the season. So I think if for him, he has to go in straight there and see what he can do. So... And the position LAFC are in, like they're they're leading the Western Conference, right? It's not like necessarily someone can walk into that team. If someone can, obviously it's Gareth Bale, but he does need to be fit. He's not going to play 90 minutes for them right away. Absolutely. Now switching gears to what's been going on in the Bundesliga. I mean, obviously a move that uh, I think uh, it's we have a, we had a discussion about um, where he might be best suited, and that's Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane leaving Liverpool, heading to Bayern Munich. Obviously, I think for us, and for all intents and purposes, I think it's a move that um, really is where he could be the main star. Now, obviously, who is the main star at Bayern Munich has always been Lewandowski, but he's also expressed his desire to leave. So I think that kind of let Bayern saying, okay, we need someone that, that can be that main star. Now, it's not really a like-for-like -like replacement, but certainly for him, uh, it kind of feels that way when you look at the importance of how both these players can be for their teams. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this particular move for Mane? And for Lewandowski's case, I mean, he, he has expressed his desire to leave, but maybe he might have some second thoughts and thinking, hang on, I can probably do something with uh, a player like him. 
Yeah, I think I think Lewandowski is still going to be on the way out, regardless of who they're bringing in to to appease him. He wants to leave. He wants to go to, I think Spain. But is Barcelona going to be able to stump up the cash? That's the only question. So, um, and and Mane, I think he comes in at a at a similar price to what Bayern would ask for for Lewandowski. Maybe maybe ten million less. They might ask for ten million more for Lewandowski just because they do such. Such good business. Uh, I think they got Mane on, on quite a good deal, and they'd want to hold out for more for Lewandowski. But uh, like, how much does Barcelona have to spend there? And like you said, is is Mane going to be the main star if Lewandowski leaves? I think so. So, Jack, you know, in your gut, ultimately, do you think uh, Lewandowski stays? I think I think he leaves. Okay. I think he's been wanting to to go for a little over a year now. There were some rumbles last summer, and uh, at, at this point, he's won everything there is to win in Germany, right? Okay. Like, he's he's not going to get any, what's another <laughs> another Bundesliga title um, for him, and yeah, careers are short, maybe wants to play play somewhere else. And is Barca that only place? I mean, he's he's expressed that, that you know, this is the only place I want to go is Barcelona. You know, is this, is is it Barca or bust for him? Hmm. I think only because of the situation at Real Madrid, like Benzema has had a career year, mm. it would be strange to bring in Lewandowski. And from Lewandowski's perspective, he, he was probably looking at Barca or Real and not so much at Atletico Madrid. Got it. Got it. Uh, we also talked about uh, Sadio Mane. I'm sorry, not Sadio Mane. We talked about Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Jesus is all but confirmed at, to Arsenal, where he rejoins Mikel Arteta. And Raheem Sterling was rumored to go to Chelsea. And Roberto and I just were discussing this potential Sterling move. And we feel that Sterling, with his um, with his talents, with his capabilities, and the way he plays the wing is probably better suited now to stay at City because of the introduction of Erling Haaland as a true number nine. Um, whereas if he moves to uh, if he moves to Chelsea, it might be a little bit of a clog. Kai Havertz is is a little bit more of a hybrid type player. Um, you know, Timo Werner is, is rumored to go to Juve in exchange for Matthijs De Ligt, which again is not something we didn't even get into yet. Uh, so we think that Sterling might be more suited to stay at City now. What are your thoughts on Sterling? You know, like they saying, should he stay or should he go? That's a good question. I'm wondering what City also think about that because I believe that Sterling has just one year left on his contract, mm-hmm. and he's he's been there for quite a while. He was one of the one of the players that kind of took them to the next level. You know, like late 2000s, there were, there was a crop of players that elevated City, and then the next set of players kind of come in, raise, raise the bar a little more. Um, so Sterling's not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he's, he's part of the old guard is what I would consider at Man City. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, Chelsea, there there could be a logjam with similar type of players, even like Hakim Ziyech, uh, Christian Pulisic. They're, they're almost in similar profiles if they, they have been deployed centrally by Thomas Tuchel, but they're not, they're not necessarily traditional strikers. So, um yeah it's it's interesting for me especially like Lukaku leaving if if Werner were to leave also who is Chelsea going to bring in at striker do they want like they're going to want to out and out number nine right you would think 
and I, and I, <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, yeah, there's, there's, and I don't think Havertz so is... so many pieces to, like, kind of kind of put together for the puzzle for me in my brain. It's like... Right. <laughs> well, and, you know, and, and, the, right. and I think you're a great person to talk about with this because Kai Havertz, you know him from his time when he was over, if I remember, at uh, Leverkusen. And obviously, you know him his time from the German national team. He, he really doesn't fit the mold of that number nine, not even nearly as much as Timo Werner, right? No, definitely not. But he is one of those one of those players that I think, especially in the modern game, can play up top as the furthest forward player. He does sometimes do that for Germany. He does do that for Chelsea quite often as well. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's Tuchel's new piece is having him up there, um, and then if. If he'd rather have Matthias Delict in there, because the loss of Rudiger is going to be pretty substantial for yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, and I, you know, and and I've said here, I, I've said before with, with many people that have asked me about the whole Delict thing, I, I don't think Juve sell him. I'll be honest with you. I I think for Chelsea to pry Delict away from Juve, it's going to take somewhere in the realm of eighty million euros plus. It's not going to be the forty million Timo Werner deal because when you look at what Juve have left. In, in the center back position, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Bonucci. It's going to be Rugani, and and that's pretty much the list. They don't have Demerol. They would be, they would be selling Delict. So that Juve cannot go into a season with only two backs. One of them, I would say, is at best average. So I, I don't see the Delict thing happening. Um, and I think I think Timo Werner stays at uh, at Chelsea because of that. What are your thoughts on? I guess my line of thinking on that one. You're right, Joe. I think it'd be absolutely crazy to go into the season with even only Delict, Benucci, Rugani. Like, who else? Yeah. They're going to have to strengthen at center back. Yeah, and that's even and, with those three. And that was that was the big deal with them losing Demerol because because um, Atalanta basically triggered the uh, the buy clause and 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 so they lost Demerol. I think they were planning on Demerol coming back in. So I, I think that's going to be an issue. Um, I uh, how about Gabriel Jesus? We didn't mention him real quick. Uh, obviously going to go to Arsenal. What are your thoughts on him moving there um, from City? I think it's a good bit of business for Arsenal and Arsenal. They kind of been burned in the in the striker game. I think lately, with like especially with Aubameyang leaving and Lacazette leaving, uh, maybe it was time to move on. So I think Gabriel Jesus is a good move. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is as well. Um, before we and also also good move for City. Like they they have Holland now and they. They do need some money sometimes to balance the books, even in City. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure they'll find it in an envelope somewhere. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I said that out loud. Um, so before we go on to our, our last topic, I wanted to talk to both of you about. Uh, I would re- I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your thoughts on Aston Villa so far. Diego Carlos coming in as a defender from Sevilla. They 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 solidify the Coutinho thing. Um, they did bring in Robin Olsen, who can be hot or cold. But what are your thoughts on on Villa, and where do you think they go from here? Yeah, I think I think it's a great window so far for Villa. Right, already already four transfers, like you said, uh, making Coutinho permanent. That's a big one. Coutinho is obviously like the biggest biggest profile player we've ever signed. Um, Gabriel, or excuse me, Diego Carlos, already coming in from Sevilla. He was. He was on the list of a lot of clubs around the continent. Same goes for Bubakar Kamara, who comes in on a free transfer. Amazing bit of business. And then Robin Olsen, Sweden's national goalkeeper with the World Cup this year. Who knows what timelines are going to be. I mean, Martinez could be competing late in that tournament. Sweden not going to the World Cup. So having someone like Olsen, who's going to be around as as that type of capable backup, makes me feel very confident. Yeah, I, I agree. 
let's move on. Uh, one of the other bits of news that actually Roberto and I haven't discussed yet is FIFA expanding the 22 World Cup rosters uh, to 26 players, obviously playing a mid-season tournament, tournament for the European leagues in a what will still be a rather balmy Qatar. Uh, you know, I think FIFA was smart at this point to expand these rosters to allow because you're going to see I think you're going to see hidden injuries. I think you're going to see overuse injuries in this tournament. I think it's just going to happen. Roberto, I want to go to you first and give get your thoughts on the expansion from 23 to 26 players for uh, for the 22 World Cup in Qatar. I think it was coming. I think it was a long time coming. Obviously, heading into this kind of COVID world of football, we saw that the Euros, we saw that the World Cup, we see that teams are expanding because they need the depth just in case something goes wrong. So I think it was only a matter of time for, until FIFA do, did adopt this, and, and rightly so. It, now, obviously, it's, it's, it's going to take out the the tradition you would say of, of teams that went from 22 teams to 22 players to 23 players now from 23 to 26 that's a lot more depth on that team now obviously adding three more players in in a world cup squad is very useful it could be definitely useful and jack i mean heading into the united states as like the example i mean obviously we can talk about any country in the world but like for the united states case and as followers of the team that really gives Berhalter less headaches, you would say, on what to add. The question will be is how many more of those positions would be added? You know, are we, is it a team that's going to have more goalkeepers or more defenders, midfielders, forward? How do you? The question will be is like how will those three players be not judged, but like you know organized? That's the thing that I think is going to be interesting, not just for the U.S. but for the other 31 nations participating in the world cup yeah most definitely roberto and if it's england it's going to be three more right backs i think that's all, <laughs> <you know. laughs> all no but all jokes aside i think it is is a smart thing to do like you were saying roberto it's been uh, a tough time there's been very condensed fixture list with so many clubs playing many more games in a short period of time we're going to see that with a tournament do you know if it's going to be five substitutions allowed at the world cup like there there is going to be in the premier league this year I, I think it is. I think so. I think they've made that a permanent move. Um, well, if if so, yeah, it's just going to be another case of the rich getting richer, right? Because of all of these big big uh, national teams that have more depth of these players that are at outstanding clubs and being able to utilize them in in a larger capacity than before. I think I think it'll make it harder for an underdog to make a deep run in in the World Cup. I, I would agree. Um, I, you know, but like I, the Croatia, maybe even. You know, but at the same time, I, I understand it, um, you know, for the five subs, given, you know, the heat that we're going to see, um, I think is an issue. I think the 26 man roster, one of the reasons they're giving is because of positive COVID tests that could happen during the tournament of these players. So they're going to need to be able to replace those players. I wonder if they're going to do like a, a 26 roster, but maybe carry 18 into the match. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to be part of the situation or not. I, I, again, I don't know that part of it, and I don't know if either of you gentlemen know that part of it either, but uh, I, I think for the most part, you know, that's going to be one of the, the factors. I do want to ask one question because Roberto was, was good enough to, to link the U.S. men's national team to this, um, and it ties back into the transfer talk, is the, you know, the possible move, a loan move, of Zach Steffen from City to somewhere. Um, Right now we have an undisclosed location, but it looks like he's looking to get out on loan somewhere where he can get more first team minutes. 
Um, Matt Turner makes the move to uh, to Arsenal, but it sounds like he's going to be a backup there. You have Ethan Horvath, who is at Nottingham, For- Nottingham Forest, and um, right now possibly a backup there. The only person getting first-team regular minutes right now is Sean Johnson. Um, I think, you know, in 26-man roster, I do think they will take a third goalkeeper. Greg Berhalter will. Um, but who is that third goalkeeper? I think everyone wants to pen in Stefan and Turner, but I'm not entirely convinced. And, um, you know, so who is that third keeper? Is it Sean Johnson? Is it Ethan Horvath? And who starts? Because um, Greg Berhalter has not been shy to go with the hot hand. So, Jack, I'm going to ask you that question first. You know, is it a third keeper? Who's the third keeper? And who starts? Yeah, I think it's it's a case of you got to play the hot hand, right? It's mm. someone who's got to be playing regular minutes. And it's almost the opposite situation that Stefan and Turner are are finding themselves in now, where Turner was playing all of these minutes. Stefan was not. If Stefan can get to a club and be starting, whereas Turner is going to be at Arsenal, he's, he's probably going to be in the bench, barring an injury at first. Um, yeah, I... I think it's. I think the the three goalkeepers, though, to answer, I think your first question. Uh, I think it will be Turner, Stefan Johnson, uh, in no particular order. Yeah, Roberto, what are your thoughts? Um, um, sorry. Yeah, curious. Curious to hear what you guys have to say, though. Um. Yeah, I, I think I have to think. I, I still think Stefan gets it for some reason. You think Stefan starts? I think so. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I, I'm of the uh, hot hand. I'm in the hot hand camp, I think. And I think if Sean Johnson comes through uh, MLS Cup, maybe wins the title again with uh, with New York City, I think you could really see an upset of the app card. I think Matt Turner is the guy that is kind of on an island, right? I mean, if Zach Steffen shows, um, you know, if he gets a good move, if he moves somewhere, I think it's, it's Steffen's job, uh, provided that he is the hot hand. But I, I do think... Um, I think Turner's the one that kind of ends up in a, on an island here, and and it's a nice problem to have as the U.S. men's national team, but I, I think he's the one that ends up on an island here because of this. So, um, Jack, it's weird that as the U.S. national team, we're going into World Cup not knowing who the goalkeeper is. That's, yeah, that seems very different compared to how it usually pans out. Well, yeah, you know, you bring up a great a great point because also the one of the other positions that usually solidified for the U.S. men's national team is center back. And um, and with uh, with the injury to Miles Robinson, um, I think we have Walker Zimmerman penned in there. And I don't know who they're going to pair him in the back with. Is it Cameron Carter Vickers? Is it Michael Richards? Um, is it uh, you know, who is it? And and I think that's a big Aaron Long is coming back. Um, so I think there's there's some major questions to be answered in positions that have traditionally been strong points for the U.S. men's national team. Um, so we'll have, we'll have to see. I'm sure Greg Berhalter is going to have 26 players on mind, uh, to answer those questions. So Jack, I want to thank you for, for coming on and, and chatting with us for a little bit. Uh, and Roberto, uh, I don't have anything left to, uh, on the plan. So let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for episode 360 of Low Limit Football, Jack, special thanks again to you for joining us on the show. We will be taking some time off during the month of July. However, we will be working on our World Cup previews. We're going to preview all 32 teams for the 2022 Qatari World Cup. We also want to remind you that since we don't have a Match of the Week segment this week, the big one to watch is going to be El Trafico on July 8th. 
between LAFC and the LA Galaxy where Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini will be looking to make their debuts. So, for episode 360 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>